He is the resurrection. Today's message is Carriers of the Good News. If you're looking for a title, Carriers of the Good News. And since we have all of that other stuff all figured out 100%, everybody on board, you're completely transformed. Well, if you're like me, it's a day-to-day. But now what do we do with all that? What what, What do we do with that? With Jesus in our life, with Jesus as the resurrection, with Jesus as the vine, being born again, what do we do with this good news? Because folks, He is the good news. When we have Him in our hearts and we have Him in our lives, He is the good news. So what do we do with this good news? How are we to spread this good news to those around us? Jesus says something very interesting that um, when, when he, he had His disciples and He said, look, look out at the harvest. And He pointed to the harvest field. And He said, and He was giving a spiritual lesson in a very real world situation. And we get to see this every fall. We go through the fields and you see the fields and, and our farmers are bringing in the harvest. And Jesus in that day, He was looking out over these fields and he said, he said, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. And we know if you interview any farmer, it would be one of the biggest heartbreaks of a farmer is not being able to pull in the harvest. That would just be, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, it's sitting right there and we can't get it in. And Jesus says the harvest is ready. The labors are few. He said, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Who is the Lord of the harvest? He is. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that He would raise up workers to go out into the harvest field and to work because time is running short. And so today is a, is a day where we, we want to cast our eyes toward the harvest. Um, Hebrews 10.24, right before Hebrews 10.25, 10.25 is a little more, uh, it's more well-known than 10.24. 10.25 says, don't forsake the assembling together like what we do today. It said, you shouldn't forsake that. We need each other. Right before that, it says this, provoke each other to love and good works. Today, I want to provoke us, not just you, myself. I want to provoke us to love and good works as carriers of the good news. So I'm going to provoke you today. I'm going to stir us up. Some of this is going to be challenging. And like I say, you know, when I'm preparing a sermon, you know, I'm a part of you. I'm a co-sheep. You know, I, I, I am one of you. And, and so the Lord challenges me, provokes me, convicts me, and I feel really like burdened and I pray and I'm like, God, forgive me. And then I get to throw it on you. So welcome and uh, buckle up. So, but what do we do with this? Have you ever done personal evangelism? Have you ever been a part? How many have ever been a part of a personal evangelism team or you've gone out by yourself to do personal evangelism? Anybody? Okay. There's hands that go around. You know, there's some people that have done training in that where they can, you know, come to their church and they put together teams and they go door to door or they do other outreach type things. Um, when I was in college, one of the classes I took was called personal evangelism. And, uh, you know, we learned all of these ways to, uh, you know, evangelize people, you know, the four spiritual laws. Some of you guys are familiar with that. These tracts that you can hand out or talk um, through people, you know, the, the heaven um, question answered plain and simple, where, you know, you can come up to say, you know, and ask somebody, are you, do you know that you're going to heaven? I can ask you two questions and that will clear it up for you right now. And it kind of just kind of helps you to get into a conversation with them about eternity. You guys know what I'm talking about. And there's all kinds of different ones. And, and, but there is a shift that is going on in our world today because that kind of stuff, I'm not saying it's not effective. There are people that probably still do that and have success. But we are, there is a shift in our world to spiritualism. Kind of, you know, whatever, I, whatever the road for me is, it's the road for me. And, uh, you know, don't put your road on, my, on me. Don't put your ways on me. There's more than one way. And we all kind of choose a path. And I know that that's kind of been around for a lot of years, but it's more prevalent now than ever. Used to, when I was like in college and we were doing this personal evangelism class and a part of the class is what we would have to go out in groups and do this. It was kind of easy. People kind of had a point of reference and they wouldn't mind talking to you about God stuff. Because most, the vast majority of them like were in Sunday school at one time and they kind of have somewhat of a point of reference. And, and so it was, it was somewhat easier to engage in conversation. 
We've seen a change of that in our world. We've seen a huge change, and that's why sometimes it's very difficult to do that. Well, as it has been a shift, I think God wants to shift the church. And some of our methods and our reaching and how we are now carriers of this good news, of getting that good news to people. And you guys have heard me give the stats, but there is troubling stats about the church being in decline. Churches all over are closing their doors. You know, last year that stat was 1,400 churches per month. Stop. They, they cease to exist. That's staggering. What's happening to the church? And nowadays, when you try to engage with somebody, people have layers, and they don't have one wall. They have layers of walls up. And our, and our methods of, of trying to reach to them, it has changed and it has shifted, and we need to, we need to be in that change and that shift. Not the message, but our methods have to change. Because now, just walking up somebody and handing them a track is so not personal. You know what they're going to do with that track when you walk off? It's going to hit the garbage can. They, don't, they, have, they could care less what you have to say to them. Or they're going to debate you, and they might know more Scripture than you, and they're going to bring in other teachings and other world religions and say, here's how why it all goes one way, and, and then sometimes you're kind of in a scramble mode of backpedaling, go, okay, what do I say to this? But folks, we are still carriers of the good news of Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is powerful. He shed His blood on a cross for the sins of humanity out of His great love. And we are to spread this good news. But we need to find out, God, what are You calling us to do? Because the same old thing is still in play that people are looking for purpose. They are looking for belonging. They're searching for, they're searching for answers to life's questions. That has not stopped. It's just where, where they are finding some of the answers are getting more and more complex. Especially today where there's shakings all around us. And the Bible tells us this, that there's going to be shaking. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And over these last couple months, we've seen literal shakings. And there's a lot of people that have questions. What is happening on the earth? Even in our own nation where you know, we have these, the, 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 these budget battles and our economy is in you know, hanging by a thread. And I mean, these are very serious things and people are searching for answers. And yes, we look to politicians to solve our problems. And you have that side of the aisle and that side of the aisle and they're lobbing grenades back and forth. And it's, well, how do we win the next elections? Basically, the gist of their argument now. And instead of principled leaders saying, you know what, we're going to do whatever it takes. And I'm not saying the church shouldn't vote or be a part of the process, but we've got to get our eyes fixed on the one who has all the answers. And that is Jesus. But there are people searching for answers. The church, the body of Christ, the carriers of the good news, we have to be ready. We have to be armed with the good news of Christ as the, to the, as the answer to their questions, the fulfillment of their longing, the bread for their hunger, the water for their thirst. He is all of that. He is the good news that's within us. And Jesus Himself, He, he called us to be His witnesses. He said, he said, go in Acts 1, 1 verse 8. He said, go to the upper room and you, you will receive power from on high and you will be My witnesses. Notice he, just said, he did not say, you will witness. He did not say, you will receive power and you will be able to do the four spiritual laws tract like nobody's business. You will have that memorized. He said, no, you will receive power and then you will be my witnesses. Life witness as opposed to just mouth witness. We will be his witnesses. We're called, you guys know these passages, but we're called to be salt. We're called to be flavor adders to our world. Salt, when, when something is, it doesn't have salt in it and it's bland, you add a little salt, it makes amazing difference. But like if you were here, uh, the time where we watched Christine Kane, where sometimes our salt, we take a bag of salt and we just dump it on people and go, I am the salt of the earth. And they're like, whoa, you're just overwhelming me. A little bit of salt makes a difference. And that's why we are called to be witnesses, not just to witness. We're called to be light bearers. 
Jesus said, you will be the salt of the earth. You, will, you, are, you are a light. And with a light, you don't cover a light. You, you shine the light for all to see. Don't hide the light under a bowl. And I, and I started this a series with this passage in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Paul's us, Paul calls us these fragile earthen vessels, these jars of clay, these cracked pots, if you will, that carry the treasure of Jesus within us. And we, the interesting thing is, is that we are broken humanity that carry a treasure called Jesus. And it points people to Him. But in Christ, the church, we are created to make an impact. We're created to make a mark. We are created to be agents of change, ambassadors, to be a living voice. Not just noisy, but a living voice. We are called to mold and shape culture as opposed to being molded and shaped by culture. We bear the image of Christ in our broken humanity and we are called to make an impact and a difference. We have the life of the Holy Spirit within us so that everywhere that we go, everywhere we, that we show up, the presence of God should be in us and through us. Living it, again, not just saying it. When you go to your workplace, the Holy Spirit is with you. Live like you believe that. When you're in school, students, you walk into that school knowing that the Holy Spirit of God is in you, that the light and the life of God is in you, in this broken vessel. Live like that, like you believe it. And I'm not talking again of being noisy and just being a noisy gong with your mouth. I'm talking about living it for real, that people see the living Jesus in your life about how you live life. But God's created us each of us to reach other people. Who are you reaching with the good news as a carrier of the good news? What gifts, what abilities has God given you to reach other people? Are you doing it? Are you putting it into practice? Because see, we are all the par a part of the body of Christ. And in Romans chapter 12, Paul talks about these spiritual gifts and some of them are very practical. If you have the gift of encouraging. And then you can, you can take those and you can, say, you can do so much with them. If you have the gift of cooking a meal for someone, that can be such a powerful and practical way to be a carrier of the good news to someone's life. Because the practical is very spiritual. And each one of us are called to be a part of the body of Christ. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again today because it bears repeating that there are no useless parts to your body. You know, if you think about all, all that makes your body go and click and do what it's supposed to do, there are no useless parts. We need every single part working together. And so, if you're not doing your part and you're the thumb of Christ. And then the body of Christ is called to do something with a hammer, very practically. And you are the thumb of Christ. And you have just checked out and you're like, well, I'm just, you know, whatever, I'm, I'm just kind of going to do my thing. You are affecting the entire body to be able to do what it's supposed to do to reach people for the good news of Christ. We need every part working. We are all created and called by God. A lot of us have a hard time engaging culture or talking about spiritual things because, frankly, there has been a lot of damage that has been done in the name of Jesus. And what is our job in, in the face of that is what we must shift and change the, the perception of the church. We must be agents of change with a culture of authentic Christianity. See, a lot of the church has been focused on what we are against instead of what we are for. And I don't mind picketing things, and I don't mind doing silent protests, but we also need to be voices about what we are for instead of just simply what we're against. And the top ten things of what Christians hate. And say, who are we for? We are for Jesus, the one who gives life. The one that can turn a life around with a moment in His presence. Jesus, the resurrection. I love what William Booth, William Booth was the creator of the Salvation Army. 
And some of you may have heard this quote, but listen to this. He said, it's better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. Isn't that awesome? It's better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. We can run around and say, well, we don't like this group and we don't like what that group stands for and we're going to uh, you know, read articles and talk about how bad that group is instead of saying, here's the light of Jesus. To come out of the darkness and experience His life and to love people and to serve people. Letting our light shine before men. Jesus said, let your light shine before men so that they would what see your good works and magnify and glorify the Father that is in heaven. Let your light shine before all men. Let's start lighting some candles instead of cursing the darkness. I said this before, but most people have rebelled against methods, against formulas, against legalism. And I want to be a part of a generation that shifts, that, that be a part of the shift back to pointing people to Jesus as the true vine, the resurrection, and the life. And we'll do this by being plugged in, into Him ourselves. Having His life revealed in us and through us. When they see that we are born again and again, and the authentic Jesus is living His life through us, and we are shining like lights on a hill in a dark place, they're going to say, what, what do you have? Because I want that. That was all my, like, my, my setup for the passage today. But it's shorter, so relax. We're not going to go that long. So I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. I've been kind of setting all of that up to go into this story. Luke chapter 5. This is a very interesting story in the Gospels. Um, I've heard a lot of messages on this. I you know, I've read this story a whole bunch of times. But sometimes you look and there's stories within the story. And I love how Jesus reveals the Word of God because how many of you have ever been there? You read Scripture that you've read before and all of a sudden something comes out differently. And there's, a, there's some stories within the story. There's something transforming within that story. And, and I just, I love this this this. this I love this whole story just about what Jesus does, but there's a very interesting part of this story that I want to look at in reference to what I'm talking about today. It's not, again, just a story of healing. It is that, but it's not just a story of healing. It is an illustration of what I'm talking about today about being carriers of the good news. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 17. And you have to listen, to the, listen for the story within the story because it's very subtle. But I'm going to cue in on it today. One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They, they tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and they took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down to the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he said to them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man. He said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home, praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. Obviously, there's lots of stories within that story. But I'm going to cue in on a couple of particular things today. But as the church, we were created for kingdom progress. We, are, we, are, we have a, this amazing honor and privilege to be called by Jesus Christ as believers, to be this carriers of the good news and be kingdom builders alongside Him. 
Isn't that an honor? That he leaves the kingdom of God, you know, he ascended, he sent the Holy Spirit down to indwell us and to fill us, and that we would be these agents, these people, broken humanity, that we're going to be kingdom builders on the earth. And with that said, we were created for kingdom progress. We were created for movement. What do I mean by that? The church is not an organization. It is an organism. It is a living thing. Let me say that again. The church is not an organization. It is an organism. Organisms change and grow. They move. They adapt. They adjust, just like you and I. We don't stay babies forever. We grow up. We change. We adapt. The church was created for movement, to build, to work. What did Jesus say? Let your light shine before men so that they would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I'm talking about works in kingdom working. I'm not talking about works to get saved. We can't do that. Salvation's a free gift. But I'm talking about as people that are Christians that belong to the Lord, we are called to move, to work, to be kingdom builders. We are called in 2 Corinthians 2, that it says that we are the aroma of Christ. Because you notice in this text, part of this text, that, and, and all through the gospel, nobody ever ignored Jesus. You notice that? They either loved him or they hated him. Nobody ever ignored him. When we have him in us, we're, we're going to be very hard to ignore. And Paul says this, you are the fragrance of Christ. And to those that are, their lives are coming alive in Christ, he said, you're a fragrance. You're like a sweet-smelling perfume. He says, to others, you're a stench. But guess what? It's not up to us to decide if people like the way we smell or they hate the way we smell. But let me say this. If you're going to be a stench, be a stench for the right reason. Turn to your neighbor and said, if you're going to stink, stink for the right reasons. You know. If you're going to be a stench, make sure it's holy stench. Doesn't that sound funny? Um, and that's what I'm talking about is the church has done a lot of, a lot of damage. The church has, been, has done some very painful things in the name of Christ and we stink because we just plain old stink. But I want to stink for the, the right reasons. I want persecution for the right reasons. And so when we have the life of Jesus, we're not going to be easily ignored. A couple of interesting things about the story I want to focus on. First of all, look at verse 17. I'm going to reread that. One day while Jesus was teaching some Pharisees and teachers of religious law, who was there? Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as Jerusalem, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. The religious showed up wherever Jesus was. And here they are in this place, and I can only assume that it was kind of a small, maybe a, a little one-room you know, one area house that Jesus had gone in to do some teaching. And guess who shows up for the meeting? The religious the teachers of the religious law, are right there. And it says even that these men would come from all over the place to hear him. Why were they there? Have you ever thought about that? Why in the world are they there? And we know that sometimes when the religious showed up, they tried to trap him. They were trying to get him to say something that might incriminate himself. You know, they were trying to, you know, get him to maybe say something against the law. You know, and, and, and they never succeeded in this. Sometimes they would like his teaching and they go, uh, uh, Jesus, we know that, that you have a great teaching. However, and they would just kind of debate him there. If you ever get in a place where you're debating theology with Jesus, you have gone down a serious path of, 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 of compromise and, and hurt. Because he would shoot these guys down all the time. Can you imagine being the next group that we're supposed to go and debate with Jesus? Okay, it's your turn. And I'm like, I don't want to go. I mean, I saw what he did to these other guys. I'm, I'm done with that. But here are these guys. They're in the meeting. They're a part of the crowd. They're around him. Why are they there? Were they there to hear a good message, a good teaching? 
Were they there to see some miracles? Why did they show up to the meeting? See, because the religious spirit wants to hear and see, but not be transformed. The religious spirit wants to hear and see, but not be transformed. They had Jesus right there with them, and they missed out on the true life and the hard transformation that He had to offer. Here's the vine. Here's the authentic vine. Here's the resurrection and the life sitting in their midst. And they want to hear Him. They want to see the freak show. Show us a few miracles. But they were not in it for heart transformation. These are the guys that challenged everything that He did. These are probably a part of some that um, not too much later cried out for His crucifixion. They grumbled and complained against Him. They didn't like anything that He did. And when it was time and He was standing there before people and He had the lashes on His back, they were yelling, crucify Him. And you're just hoping that one of them, the dime would drop and say, oh my goodness, what are we doing? The religious spirit wants to hear and they want to see, but they don't want to be transformed. The Bible says that knowledge puffs up. These guys had tons of knowledge. It also said, but love builds up. We're called by James. He said, you need to be a doer of the word. Don't just be a hearer of the word. These guys heard the words of Jesus. And here's other people that are broken. Humanity listened to Jesus and their lives were being set free and they were being doers of the word. These guys would be hearers of the word and they did, did nothing. We want to hear it, but we, want, we don't want to do anything about it. Doers of the word, not just hearers. Not information getters, but transformation seekers. We are in a day and age, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, where we have the greatest teaching, books, TV preaching, TV CDs, MP3 podcasts. Preach. We, have, we are literally moments away from the greatest preaching and teaching on the planet. But the problem with the American church is all we do is eat, 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 receive, hear, teaching, Eat, 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 eat. And it's like eating and eating and eating. And then you, we never give out. And we become complacent hearers. Complacent information getters. And then we are not doers of the Word. And that is what we are created for. To be doers of the Word. Movement. Kingdom builders. We've eaten so much and we've given so little. It's time to start giving out. It's time to start serving. And it's time to start building the kingdom of God. Verse 18. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat, they tried to take him inside to Jesus, verse 19, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. Because of the crowd. The place was packed. And these guys, these friends that they're describing, they're, they're trying to get their friend who is a paralytic. They're trying to get him where Jesus is, and Jesus is in this room. And you notice that some, it said, some of the religious, the teachers of religious law, they would come from all over the place to hear him. They're the ones packed around Jesus. They're not all of the crowd, but they are some of the ones that are packed in there to hear Jesus, to hear, 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 to maybe see a miracle or two. The religious spirit takes up space and keeps people away from Jesus that really need Him. These guys are trying to get their friend to Jesus. They come to the door. The building is jam-packed. They can't get Him in. And in the room is filled with religious people that don't, they don't care anything about life transformation. They don't care anything about the teachings of Jesus. And really, they're just taking up space, keeping the broken the hurting, the destitute, away from... They're the ones that really need Him. The religious spirit not only just gets information, but they prevent the ones that really need Jesus from getting to Him. Good place for an amen. <laughs> ah, you're just saying it. They keep people that are after real transformation away. Why are these people there? Here's a, you ever ask a question? Why don't you guys just leave? You're not, you, you, you don't want anything. You don't want to be transformed. You don't want to be a doer of the word. You're here to debate. 
You're here to challenge, question. Later on, when Jesus tells this guy his sins are forgiven, who are the first ones to chime up saying, only God can forgive sins? It's these guys that are around him listening to him teach. They're not there for transformation. They're there to grumble, complain. We don't like what you're doing. You know, you're just, we want to debate you. We want to call into question all that you're doing. And you know, I'm just amazed at Jesus' peace and patience. That he doesn't sit down in this room, you know, and he takes his seat there. It makes you wonder why he doesn't say, okay, you guys right here, um, leave. You're just taking up space. And there's some people that really need me. And you guys are in the way. That spirit tries to interfere with people encountering the authentic Jesus. We need to have a place in our heart that opens and, and, and is open to people that are broken and hurting. It's interesting that right after the story, they're in Matthew's house, and this is where Jesus says to the religious at Matthew's house, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. That's the sick. I came for the sick. We need to make a place for the sick, the spiritually sick, where they belong here. Rick Warren had a a huge challenge to his church one time, and he said this. And it was a challenge to me as well. But one week he got up and and he says to his congregation, he said, if all that you do is attend services and you're not building building the kingdom and serving in some way, please don't come back next week. We need your seat. And then there was a holy hush over the room. And you see his point. What he's driving at is to say, we're, not, we're, we're created to be kingdom builders. We're created to serve. And sometimes that religious spirit if it gets on us and all we want to do is hear. He says, we, we need your space. And that's what Jesus is, is, is dealing with these guys is move so they can get the paralytic in there. If you guys don't want Jesus, fine. Go somewhere else. We don't want to prevent people from finding Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus even says this. He says, if anyone, and he's talking to believers, causes one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better for that person to have a millstone hung around their neck and thrown into the sea. And so if we are preventing people finding the authentic of Jesus by our attitude, by the way we respond, by the way we, if we just sit there and we don't care about anything but ourselves and we just want to hear another word, we want to just see something and we're not doers of the word, we can be a stumbling block. God help us all. We do not want to prevent people from finding Jesus. God, let this place be a place where people find you. Let it be a place where people come in and they experience the authentic life life that Jesus has to offer as the resurrection and the life. And the second part of this story is the less weighty. The hard part's over with. We can all take a breath now. It's the creativity of the friends. Verse 18, some men carrying a paralyzed man on sleep, they tried to get inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. And so they just went home, they gave up hope, and they said, well, there's no really getting into Jesus. It's just it's a worthless cause. Let's just, let's just leave. That's what, not what they did. So they went up to the roof. They took off some of the tiles. These guys tore a hole in this person's house. They lowered the sick man on his mat down in the crowd right in front of Jesus. Can you imagine this scene? Jesus is sitting there teaching you know, and he's talking to people about the, the, the kingdom of God. And he's got these religious people that are rolling their eyes. And, uh, and all of a sudden, there's some commotion. And they look up, and somebody's ripping a hole in the roof. And here comes this guy. And they're, they're lowering him down. And Jesus is looking. And here's this guy laying there. And the Bible says this. It says, Jesus saw their faith. And he's like, wow. These guys were going to do whatever it took to get this guy to me. What an amazing faith. And these guys got very creative. I love the creativity of these friends. We are here to bring our friend to Jesus. There is absolutely nothing that is going to prevent us from getting our friend to Jesus. He needs Jesus. We're getting him to Jesus. Oh, it's crowded. Let's see what the roof looks like. 
Can't get in a window. No, there's people would be like over the top of people's heads. No, let's check the roof out. Hey, guys, come on up here. These are, um, these are first century roofs anyway, and so they're not that strong. So let's dig a hole in them, lower them down. They probably didn't say that. They kind of knew it was first century. But the lost, folks, the lost are like the paralytic in this story. The people that are in our lives, the people that are around this region, the people that are in so desperate need of Jesus, they are like the paralytic. Ephesians 2 says that without Christ we are dead in our sins. People all over the place are spiritually paralyzed in need of Jesus. As people of God, we are created to bring people to Jesus. I want us, I want myself, not just you, I want me. I want to be like the friends in this story that we're going to get this man to Jesus. And we're going to get the lost to Jesus. The Word calls Jesus, says that He was a friend of sinners. Shouldn't we be also? They couldn't get Him to Jesus because of the obstacles. What were the obstacles? Well, there were obvious obstacles, but there were religious obstacles too. And we have to break through the religious obstacles, the traditions of men, the things that have caused a bitter pill in people's hearts. Things that people have done in the name of Christ. It's like the people that you see on the news, and I don't even want to say their name because I don't even want to bring much attention. That church group that protests soldiers' funerals. And you see the signs that they hold up. And I see that, and I am just amazed at the mercy of God. That he doesn't just smack them. Because I'm thinking, if I'm God, I'd smack them. And they're there. And the things that have been done in the name of Christianity, these religious spirits that keep people from finding Jesus. Let's reverse the trend. Let's make this place a, a place where people feel like they belong. Let's make this a place that says we're going to cut through the obstacles and we're going to get people to Jesus. And I'm not talking about compromise. I'm not talking about watering down the message. I'm talking about the truth in love. I'm talking about pointing people to Jesus Christ, the one who can transform a life. I want to have the attitude that these friends had, that whatever it takes. Like Paul said, I become all things to all men that I might win some. Creative and innovative evangelism. These guys had to get very creative. I'm going to show you a video clip. You guys still ready back there? Alex, you ready? Alex has been my video guy the last few weeks. Man, give a wave, Alex. Alex Beatty back there. He's been doing my videos. Man, you're the man. Let's give him a hand. He's been doing a great job. But um, I want to set this up before they play it. But in this video... I want you to get the heartbeat of, of what this school did. This is in Texas, and it's Grapevine uh, Faith Academy. It's a Christian academy, large school, large Christian school, and they have a football program. But on the other side of the coin is this, um, it's called Gainesville State School. And what it is is these, these uh, juveniles that have been incarcerated for crimes, what they've done is in, while they're incarcerated, they give them an opportunity to go to school to be in school. And so they're literally in school um, trying to get, and, and they see that as a part of the solution to help continue to help them get an education. Well, a part of one, of one of the privileges that these kids have is if they have good behavior and good grades, they get to play football. And, you know, and it, and it is a privilege. And you see these kids that they get to play football and they have to go play, and they play away games every week and they play against other schools they don't ever win. You know, there's no one there to cheer for them. And that's the background story. But what I want you to catch in this is not, hey, we can do that. Is I'm going to say, I, I want to challenge you to, to see the heartbeat of creative and innovative evangelism to the hearts of people. You guys go ahead. When you walk around the grounds of Gainesville State School, you'll see just about everything you would on any other high school campus. There are students, teachers, a computer lab, and a gym. Except here, the students are convicted criminals. It's an incarceration facility for 
kids that have uh, violated the law. Each day starts at a tiny dorm room they call home and continues marching from class to class, abiding by a strict schedule. In fact, the one thing that makes them feel like kids again is football. I'm just like you remote my own campus, you know what I'm saying? Everybody want to play on the football team. Just to put on a Tornado's uniform is a reward, not a right. You must have good behavior and good grades. Not to mention, every game is played on the road, but it's worth it to escape on Friday nights and enjoy a small piece of freedom they gave up. But each week, there comes that constant reminder of who they are and what they've done. They don't treat us as a regular person in the world. They treat us like we're just some alien, just from somewhere out, just out of nowhere. I mean, they look at us like animals in a cage, like we don't deserve a second chance or another opportunity to be something in life. After hearing the ridicule and losing eight straight weeks, the Tornadoes were once again on the road, traveling to play private school power grapevine faith for the first time, who had moved up a division. Their head coach, Chris Hogan, had a game plan in mind, and it had nothing to do with football. We were going to show them that in this country, if you make the right decisions, people will get on your side and support you. And it doesn't matter what your background is, you can make it. In a selfless suggestion, Coach Hogan sent out an email and requested his fans, his players, parents, do something so out of the ordinary in the football culture. He asked them to cheer for Gainesville State. These young men will not have any fans outside of the faculty from their own school. Their parents will not be there. I want some life. From their own school. Their parents will not be there. I want some life. I want some life. It worked perfectly this morning. I promise you it worked perfectly this morning. Um, go ahead a little ways. Just kind of grab that, uh, grab that and just pull it ahead. Just to, Yeah, and then just try to play it from there, see what happens. I want some life. No, it's not doing it. Fans outside of the faculty. Tell you what, shutter it down. I want some light. Hit the shutter button, yeah, and then uh, hit escape, and then just try to uh, hit the refresh button. We'll try to get it going here in just a sec, and then you guys can go to that point. Hopefully you see where this is going. Um, if, they, if these guys can get it up, see, is it going to load up? because it's worth watching. If not, I can tell you the story. It's a little less effective. When you walk around the grounds of Gainesville State School... Is it coming? Is it doing it now? No? Oh, it is. <laughs> Yay. All right, go to try to find that point about two minutes in, and oh well, yeah, you, you better let it load though. See that little red bar? Everybody cheer for that bar. <laughs> Don't go too far because it'll get hung up there again. It needs to load in. So, hey, look at that. All right. These young men will not have any fans outside of the faculty from their own school. Their parents will not be there. I want some Lion fans to sit on the visitor side and cheer for the Gainesville team throughout the game. I thought, okay, this is, this is cool that Chris wants us to do this, leading up to it. But getting there that night, it was so easy to transition from being a fan for the Faith Lions to a fan for the Tornadoes. You know, the idea of, uh, of giving... Uh, and just being there to support those kids, those young men that have never had that before. So for the first time, the always-on-the-road tornadoes would feel as if they were at home. And as kickoff approached, it was obvious something was different. 
it looked like they thought they were at the wrong end of the field because they know they don't have any fans. And we just looking, I just looked, I just kept doing my plays. But I seen how they were split up, but I figured they just didn't have enough room on their side. I want y'all to line up the line, they make, they're making a spirit line. I'm like, say what, coach? <laughs> he said, can you beat that? And uh, he said, they're making a spirit line for y'all to run through. I like, that's what's up, sir. That's what's up. When it happened, it was just, it was dynamic. It was one of the most unbelievable things I'd ever seen. When I ran through this, like, I felt like it was just like some, like, angels or something. That's, that's all I felt. Because I was just running through it as fast as I can. I just feel the wind rushing my face. That feeling of being unleashed lasted throughout the game, and so did the cheers. We had a penalty like the third play of the game, and I heard booing behind me. I turned around, and it was the great my fan. I remember when I was making like a play, I made a chocolate, and people were yelling my name. I'm like, I don't even know these people. They were just like ours that night. I, I can remember rooting for their little quarterback, and I felt like he belonged to me. Our kids were their kids, and their kids were our kids, and all kids were the same. It wasn't enough to lead the Tornadoes to victory. As expected, Grapevine Faith won 33-14, and the Tornadoes finished the season 0-9. But it didn't matter, because for the first time in a long time, someone was in their corner, and that alone was worth celebrating. I was like, hey, y'all, this, this is going to get close, man. I don't care. I don't care if we lost tonight, man, because I was feeling good. I feel like we were in the Super Bowl championship game or something like we won that. I mean, winning like in our heart, spiritual-wise, I mean, we won. I've, I've been in state championships of different kinds, and there's nothing was like this, nothing. Isaiah and the rest of the Tornadoes will never forget the feelings they had on that night. And while it didn't erase the mistakes they've made, it showed 14 teenagers that regardless of the bad things they've done in their past, there was reason to look ahead. I cried. <laughs> When I when, when after the game, I went back to my room. I cried. I think that your, your family ain't the only ones that love you. God ain't the only one that love you. Other people love you too. This is what I was hoping and praying would happen. I hope that it gave them hope. I see world in a different way now. I mean, I'll just see like I'm the victim no more. So much love because you know I came from a broken home family. So I mean, having all that love it just just rose my spirits up. They got to be kids that night. They got to be a teenager experience Friday Night Football in Texas. Aren't you glad I didn't have to tell that story? If you could have the lights up, that would be great. Isn't that cool? And just to give you a little backstory, what happened, this was 2008, what happened was there was more to this story than just that. The young men got there, they had several churches in the community do a pregame meal for them. They met together, the coach of the, at the Christian school shared the gospel with these guys. And after that night, now the last couple of years, other Christian schools that play them are doing the same thing. And it is reaching the broken, the hurting, in a very practical, in a very real way, innovative and creative evangelism. Whatever it takes to get people to Jesus. And God has deposited things in each one of us. And I want us to start today to live out the theme of these friends in Scripture that says whatever it takes to get people to Jesus. Creatively getting around the obstacles that keep people from Him. Creatively moving around the religious spirit and getting people to Jesus, and letting our lives count. And I'm going to close today by giving you a homework assignment. Hallelujah. In a few weeks, we're going to be having what I'm going to be calling a creative evangelism meeting. It is for anyone and everyone that wants to be a part. Because God has deposited ideas creative, innovative things in your heart. Some of you guys sitting here today, you have ideas that maybe that have been sitting on your heart for a long time. And we're going to have a creative evangelism dream meeting. And we're going to get together and we're going to pray and we're going to just have an enjoyable time talking about this, but we're not going to just talk about it. We're going to start implementing some things in this region to reach out as a church. 
And so I encourage you to keep, uh, you know, be aware of that meeting because it's going to happen. And, and, and again, it's invited to whoever wants to be there. And we're going to be talking about how to creatively and innovatively reach out with, with God's ideas, with His dream for our region. So there's a homework assignment. If you've had ideas, put them in writing. Write them down and let's get together and let's begin to say, God, give us this region in the name of Jesus. Let us reach out. Let's reach across. Let's remove the barriers and get people to Jesus. Let's stand and pray. Lord, I am so excited about what you're doing on the earth. Jesus, I am so excited about your mission to reach people. And Lord, today I am praying and I am coming into agreement with my brothers and sisters here. And Lord Jesus, we want to live life. We want to be a place. We want to be a people. We want to be a church that gets people to Jesus. Lord, because you are what they need. And Lord, I pray as you're stirring in our hearts, Lord God, that you would begin to birth ideas and dreams. And that, Lord, we would begin to remove the obstacles. And that, Lord, we would begin to be creative and innovative to reach out to those who desperately need you. Because, Lord, you are the resurrection and the life. You are the true, authentic vine. And, Lord, we want people to find you. We want people to, the, the, their, the hunger of their heart to be filled with you, the thirst of their soul to be filled with you. And so God, unite our hearts with you, with each other, to win this region for Jesus Christ. And God, forgive us today when we have been, a, we, we've, been we, we've been interfering with your work. Lord, that sometimes even in our own hearts we're that religious spirit that, Lord, maybe we've just been sitting on the sidelines. Maybe we've just been retired from, uh, from kingdom ministry, Lord God. But, Lord, we're not going to be retired until we're with you. We're to be kingdom builders. We are to be movers and shakers with the kingdom of God. Hear God, stir in our hearts once again. God, forgive us when we've prevented people from finding you. And God, may it change today. May we shift the culture. May we change the way we've been and bring people to you. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I hope you have a great week.